Okay, we're going to go ahead and uh, start. I've got some announcements to make before we um, get into the Word here this morning. And um, Yeah, I know. We've got some announcements I want to make uh, before we get into the Word here this morning. And I was hoping to get through the first 11 verses in Jude, but uh, uh, the problem is it's, uh, I, I, it's a lot, even just the first 11 verses. And you're not letting me start. You know the part where I start speaking? <laughs> I know. I Listen, listen. I get it. I get it. You love each other and you want to visit. I totally get that. doesn't make you bad people, my thinking. But I'm just watching the clock because I'm trying to get to the first 11 verses. And that's dubious already before we even say anything else. It's just a lot. And I'm trying to like keep this down to like three weeks. And I'm almost thinking it's going to be four in Jude. Sorry, um, if you're like really excited about Revelation. By the way, I hope you are. I hope you're inviting somebody. People will come out to hear Revelation who don't normally come to church. Uh, where are, are the events in Revelation going to start to unfold before we teach them? It's going to be a photo finish. I don't know. I'm not setting dates, but I'm not going to suggest that we're going to finish it. We might finish this on a mezzanine. We'll see. I don't know what else to say. Okay, we've got a few announcements to make. Uh, we have a, a packing part after a service. Uh, for Christmas child, those uh, boxes there, we're going to pack them. Uh, lunch is provided. If you have any questions, uh, see Brenda, and she will give you all the information you need to know. So uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I was away. Thanks, Tom, for filling in. Appreciate that. Um, and I was away in New Hampshire, and I was taking uh, first aid, uh, CPR, AED. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer this class at the the price, the ridiculously low price of zero dollars and zero cents. Uh, I've got to do two classes before I get my certification, so I'm kind of a trainer in training. But you'll still be certified because I asked this: will, will people still be so? If you need it for your job, you just want it. And what I'll do is I'll trade in first aid, CPR, uh, AED, and uh, it will be uh, in a Saturday in December. I'm going to get eight mannequins. I'm going to order up eight mannequins, and I'm going to get four infants. You won't share mannequins, so I'm holding the class to just eight. First eight, and if there's more than that, I'll teach the two classes, so we'll see how that goes. So if that's something you're interested in, just let me know, okay? Because, like I say, if I get zero interest, I won't do it. But if I get, like, a lot of people say, yeah, I'd love to do that, and uh, I'll do, like, uh, the adult and infant and PD. So, you know, you're thinking, like, yeah, um, we don't have any babies but we have and we may again and if you're working in a nursery or daycare or you have grandchildren god forbid you'd ever have to use it but it's one of those things we do training in hopes that you'll never have to use this right but i've had to use first aid before and and heimlich maneuver and things like that and we'll cover all those things so if you're interested in that again just let me know and that will be on a saturday in in december or maybe two saturdays in december by the way it will take up we start about 8, you'll get done 2 or 3 in the afternoon, depending. It's going to be a whole day. And uh, here, and I'll get kneeling pads because I want to set up people so that we can keep our social distance and I'll use the TVs and whatnot. So I have some things in my mind about how I'll do it. So if you're, like I say, if you're interested in that, and I'm not begging. I mean, service offer to you, I'm not going to charge for obviously nothing, but, you know, that's something you'd be interested in. Just let me know. Uh, there was something else. I think, and I forgot it. Oh, I know what it is. It's Anita's birthday today, 
and uh, it's my birthday tomorrow, and it's Felicia's birthday the day after. So Anita is a day older than me and two days older than Felicia. And Felicia's one, I'm one day older than Felicia, so that's how it is. So it's birthday week here at, <laughs> did, did I say hand? Did somebody have something? Happy birthday to me. Oh, by the way, you want to celebrate my birthday, vote correctly. <laughs> okay, I already voted, all right? And if you want to high vote, I'm not going to sit here and from the pulpit. That would be kind of crass, but I'd be happy to share any insights. And there's no referendum questions. If you haven't voted yet, there's no referendum questions, okay? There's a state senate race in your district. There's a state, uh, you know, uh, house re uh, representative. Uh, then there's the president, senate race, congressman, and like a county commissioner or something like that. Okay, that's that's probably what you're up against. What? And yeah, maybe sheriff, but we didn't have a sheriff race. Uh, so uh, it's 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 on both sides of one paper, and maybe you have a little town referendum where you're at. I don't know that. Uh, it would take you about four minutes, and it's probably the best four minutes you ever spent in this year, anyway, doing the will of the Lord. Uh, if you have any questions about who to vote for, I'd be happy to give you some guidance. <laughs> I'm only half joking about that, by the way. Anyway, open to the book of Jude. <clears throat> I maintain I, I voted uh, Friday, and I maintained uh, my, since I turned 18 started voting, I've never once ever voted for somebody who is known to be pro-choice, and I maintain that. In case you have any questions, I, I, came as close as I ever did to taking a step over that line. At the end, I didn't. Jude. Let's pray. Father, we pray. This is your word. And there are some verses that are going to be controversial. Your word, I, controversy being what it is. I mean, and of course, when fools rush in, I, 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 I don't have any problem teaching your word, and even the controversial parts. Um, but Lord, uh, we don't want controversy. We want to walk in truth, and we want to understand what you have to say to us, Lord. And we want to be knowledgeable Christians, and we don't want to be, you know. And I think that honors you. I think we take your word very seriously here, and uh, and we want to keep doing that, Lord. So we pray that would be changed. A little bit, maybe not even a measurable amount, but every time we hear your word, Lord, we're going to be a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more like Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Now, there's a lot in every verse here, and so, okay, Jude, the servant, Jude, who, Jude who? The servant of Jesus, the slave of Jesus, the brother of James. Now we have our first controversy. Let's talk about who, what Jude we think we're talking about. Matthew chapter 13. I think this is important. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I've, I would listen to some people, they spend like half their time establishing the authorship. And I don't want to do that. But I do want to, you know, at least get enough so that you're conversant in it. It's so in Matthew chapter 13 and all the way down to verse 53. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he came into his own country, now he's his own country. You've got to think through this through. Um, where he grew up is the idea. 
He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man, this wisdom, these mighty works? Now, you see, that's your prophet. Are you a prophet without honor? Well, in your own house, among your family, you know, I'm. I, my mom would still tell me, you know, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. And, you know, when you're old enough to have an opinion, I'll tell you what it's going to be. And she didn't listen to me. I'm just in her mind, still a little. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's, it kind of is. Um, I, I get more of an audience once I get away from people whose last name isn't Kasperzak, present company, discluded. I'm not talking about people who show up here who happen to have my last name. But like among my siblings and my... They don't, they don't want to hear what I have to say. Why? Because they know me. They know me so good. They don't know me at all. I think it's the case in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who's this guy? What, is, what does he think? What is, what's going on here? Uh, uh, he, uh, they were astonished. Uh, what, what is this guy? What, what, where does he get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? They know him so good they don't know him at all. No, he's not the carpenter's son. No stepson, right? Uh, is not his mother called Mary? Uh, they, they got that one. Good. And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, and his sisters, are they not with us? So he's got... He's got four brothers, and he's got at least two sisters, probably three, four, five, six, seven, who knows, a whole houseful. So I, I was one of this carpenter. He, she just did not grow up in a wealthy family. How come he was an only child? Wouldn't that have been really cool? You know, mom and dad lavished all their attention on Jesus. No, he had siblings, among which are this guy, Judas. Uh, James wrote the book of James. There's not really much debate about that. And Judas wrote the book of Judas, uh, the book of Jude. And we say, well, why didn't he call it Judas? Well, after Judas Iscariot, he kind of messed it up for everybody. I've never dedicated a Judas, right? You kind of like nobody. Uh, and But we still have Judas and we have Judes, because that's still a cool name. It means praise, by the way. It's a good name. Um, so this is the Judas, the Jude, uh, and most everyone thinks that. Who doesn't think that? Well, the people who believe that Mary is perpetually virgin. Um, we can go through all the scriptures, and some people do at this juncture, but you're, you're, you're knowledgeable people. You know, this isn't something that we stumble at, that we wrestle with, so I'm just going to keep moving on. So that Jude, so how come he's not the brother of Jesus? How come he's the servant of Jesus? He calls himself the slave, the servant, doulos, the slave of Jesus. I think if for him to say, well, I'm the brother of Jesus, it's kind of like, you better listen to me. I'm telling you right now, because, you know, don't mess with me. I'll get my big brother after you. It's, I think it's, he's, it's humility. And he does say, okay, you know James? That James? Yeah, he, me and him are brothers. And people in the early church, they would have figured it out. They would have known. He's not claiming that in a sense like, I just think that would be, I don't know, bordering, bordering on arrogance just a little bit. Like, he's comfortable talking about Jesus as his master. I don't think he's altogether comfortable about talking about Jesus as his brother. Like, I'm not. I mean, yeah, Jesus, he's our older brother. We're dog, we have the same dad. His relationship with dad is, is different from ours. We're adopted, but he's our brother. you kind of a little bit uncomfortable with that, because I kind of am. Okay, he's, he's the servant of Jesus, the brother of James, and he's writing to them that are sanctified by God and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied is the greeting. How come isn't grace and peace? Well, that's 
not a formula. You know, if you say grace and peace to me, I'm okay with that. If you say uh, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied, strangely enough, I'm okay with that. And if you say God bless you, I'm okay with that. I mean, you know what I mean? There's a lot of ways we can bless each other. And I don't think we want to... We say grace and peace around here a lot, and that's fine. That's a good thing, I think. You know what I wish upon you? You know know my prayer for you? You know my heart's desire for you is the grace of God in your life and peace. Peace with God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Are you upset when I say God bless you? You shouldn't be. Funny to me, I... Even if I sneeze at my house, my atheist son says, God bless you. doesn't really mean all that much to some people. To me, if I say, God bless you, what I'm saying is the, the almighty creator, sovereign of the universe, pour out his blessing upon you. It's nothing to sneeze at, pun intended. Um, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Here, mercy unto you. I need mercy and I love mercy, so that's a good thing. Mercy unto you and peace. That's good and love be multiplied, increases the idea. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write into the, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So what's he doing? He's going to dash off a letter. Hey, I want to write to you about the common faith. Let's talk about common faith. Common. Something's Common. Pennies on the street are common. You come out of a store, you see a penny. How many of you guys, you, you can be honest here, it's church, we're honest, right? How many of you guys would bother to bend down and pick up a penny? Penny saved is a penny earned, right? Penny saved is as worthless as <laughs> this. You can't buy anything with a penny, so you collect up a whole bunch of them, you can buy maybe something. When I stoop down to get a penny, I am not benefited I think, whatever, not in any measurable, discernible way. But I always pick them up, and nickels and dimes and quarters and everything. I pick up money when I find it. Why? Because it says in God we trust, and I always think that's awful that the name of God is laying on the street. That's really the reason I do it. I mean, all the time. Sometimes I find a coin in here, right? I'll pick it up, and I'll put it in the offering because... It doesn't feel right put it in your pocket. I don't know. But out there in the store, I come out of the store, I'm about to pump them, I see something shiny, and I'll pick up a penny or any coin, okay? But that's why I do it. You know, and why ever you do it because you think you're benefited a penny or a nickel, that's fine. I'm, I'm not judging, okay? There's no judge zone right here, okay? Well, for this part anyway. So I'm glad that you do that. That's fine. Some of you say, I couldn't even be bothered. What is it? It's a penny. It's, so thick. it's common. That's not what this means, common faith. It means equally attainable. Everybody can have this faith. It's not like, uh, you know, for me and not for you, or for you and not for me. Uh, Everyone who God calls and preordains to salvation before the foundation of the earth can have this faith. But if you're not written, you, you can't have it. And when Jesus says, whosoever will, He doesn't mean whosoever will. He means whosoever will of everyone is going to be saved, right? Now, follow me. Follow me here. This is a very, very important point. And it really, really is. Um, That's not what this verse is saying. It's saying the the exact opposite. I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a Calvinist. Actually, for a brief time in history, it was a church that we were going to. They moved to California, and that kind of, thank God, because I, might have ended up with really bad doctrine, really cloudy thinking. 
I remember talking to the pastor and I said, but God so loved the world. He said, well, that means the world who would be saved. And I remember getting feeling really depressed that that was true. Like, it's a stacked deck, and when Jesus says whosoever will, he doesn't mean whosoever will. He means whosoever will of everyone who I've ordained to salvation, and you've got nothing to do with it. Here it's common faith. Available to anyone is the idea. That's what he's saying here. Uh, So I'm going to write to you about this common faith, but then it was needful. Instead, I had to write, I ended up writing. So I'm sitting down and write one thing. And I have an idea, like, you know, I'm going to write and talk about our salvation. How, what a wonderful thing it is. What a gift of God. What about this? What about, oh, it's wonderful to be a child of God. He adopted into his forever family. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me and said, you know what you've got to write about? And he, now I'm on a whole different tangent. I'm a whole different, because this is what God told me I had to write about. And I think that's what we're looking at here. It was needful. How needful? I, I think it was the Spirit of God needful. I, okay, you're reading something into that? Maybe. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, we don't need to do that anymore because we're all got it down and we're all cool and we're all on the same page, right? I can give you a, a 80 billion examples of how this is not true. Faith is anything we want to make it. We'll put a rainbow flag outside our church, and that's faith. Everyone's accepted here and approved. By the way, is everyone accepted here? Yeah, we don't close the door to anybody. Approved? Your lifestyle approved? No, that, <laughs> wait a second, you went one too far. No, no, we're not, we're not that, but we're, but we're, we don't change Okay, I gotta go. Um, people change all the time. We say that uh, we'll find the Word of God, and it'll it'll say, uh, uh, "Boy, I hope I can find it." I think it's in First Corinthians chapter six. Um, okay, I got it. Uh, know ye not they in righteous shall inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm teaching down through this, and I'll come out and I'll say, you know, okay, you know what kind of people can't uh, uh, get, um, receive the kingdom of God? And I'll say, nor effeminate, nor abuses themselves with mankind. It's talking about two different types of homosexuals. That's what it talks about. Oh, <gasps> God's a homophobe people will say, and they're ready to change the Bible to suit their theology. Wait a second. Is God a homophobe? Hey, question for you. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Now, what's fornication? That's that's sex sin outside of marriage, right? Is God a fornophobe? Say, no such word. There's a good reason there's not, okay? Uh, uh, By the way, phobe means, uh, I had this explained to me the first time, like, when I was Telling people I believe homosexuals, they call me a homophobe, and I thought, like, I'm not afraid of homosexuals. I'm really, no, that's, you're afraid you are a homosexual. I thought, like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I, every day, every day, I just tremble in my boots thinking, am I gay? That, yeah, you're just so correct. You're, it, really? Really? That's, that's homophobe. Now I'm like, oh, I better not say homo, homosexuality is wrong anymore. You've convinced me. 
Is God an adultophobe? No, he's not. Uh, that's, that's, is he a phonophobe? No, he's not. Is he a deltaphobe? Now, that's where you have adultery. You're not married to the person. You're having sex with somebody who's married, or you're having breaking your marriage vows. You're having sex with a married person, or you are a married person having sex outside your marriage. Is that wrong? Yes, it is. Is fornication wrong? Yes, it is. Is homosexuality wrong? Yes, it is. Is one wronger than the other? I, I, they all end up in hell. So you can make your argument, well, this is unnatural, this is weird, this is strange, this is gross, this is... I think all sin is gross. And the wages of sin is always death. And this is what the Bible is teaching us here. But there's a lot of churches that want to change the word of God to try to be more, what, groovy, relevant. And they become irrelevant. And he's the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He's not the spirit of political correct. And if you're politically correct, you're heavenly uncorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> Uncorrect. You're incorrect on every situation. Because this world, the zeitgeist, the watch the news, forget, don't watch the news. Uh, if you ever watch the news, it's exactly telling you the opposite of this book all the time. Does that surprise you? Because it still surprises some Christians, and it surprises me that it surprises you. How do you not know that the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one? How do you not know that? And I get, because I, even people, I, I still have this conversation with people, oh, it's got to be true, it's on TV. Don't. Jude would say this. <laughs> I want you to contend for the once for all, that common faith, that, that it was needful for me to run to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Don't change. God doesn't want editors. He doesn't need them. He hasn't, like, you know, I, I write like a policy and then I'll give it to somebody else and say, I want you to proofread this. God does not need a proofreader. He does not need an editor. There are mo- no mistakes, nothing grammatical, nothing wrong, nothing theologically wrong, nothing spell wrong. Nothing, he's perfectly perfect. God knows how to write a book. I know men have known how to write a book. You think God knows how to write a book and make it perfect? Yes. You don't have to change it. We have to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints and it's under assault and it's under attack and we have to stand firm and say, no, that's wrong. This is what marriage looks like. The Supremes don't get to decide. God invented marriage. Isn't that like so basic? You know, when should you go to church and when should you not go to church? And when? who's the one who tells us when we can go to church? Because I think that the First Amendment is just people agreeing that God gave us certain rights. Uh, you know, free speech, uh, you know, freedom of the press. These are good things. Um, freedom of assembly, freedom to go to church, freedom of worship, right? I think God gave us that. I don't think the governor gave it. I don't think the governor can take it away of any state. Well, they're concerned because they're about COVID. and they're... Thank you. We didn't elect you to be concerned about me or us. We didn't. We're adults. We'll take care of our own stuff. And so you know some people not here because some people shouldn't be. You understand that, right? And we're not judgmental. We're good with the fact that there's some people who aren't here because of for health. And we're, we're, we, can, we can navigate through this. And by the way, praise God, how many people have we had tested positive for COVID in this church so far? Zero. We're adults. We'll, we'll take care of this. Thanks. Because God told us that we'll assemble, that we'll worship, that we'll do. And 
as far as I'm concerned, and by the way, while I'm on the subject, uh, you know, it's coming out of time of the year where, you know, it's going to be nasty sledding out there. I'm, not, I'm determined. I'm not going to call church at all unless it's like Snowmageddon or I got a Jeep. I'm coming. And if there's one other person shows up, they can run the uh, video and, and you can meet at home. That's fine. Uh, and then I'll have, uh, I'm going to set it up so I can even have church from home if I, ha- if I have to, because I'm determined. I don't want this to close at all anymore. Uh, one time that happened, uh, flatten the curve. Okay, you got me, but I'm determined that I'm sure in my own mind God doesn't want us to do that again. Now, having said that, we're going to earnestly contend for the once for all delivered unto the saints' faith, because there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, now, Second Peter warns about this. These false teachers. Second Timothy warns about this. Second Thessalonians, among other places in the New Testament, they're saying, Paul's saying, you know, uh, memories on the beach at Miletus is saying, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be men coming in and they're going to creep in and they're going to do all this. You, have you read that? Like many times, and we've covered this in the New Testament as we've gone through. Now, it's going to happen, just changed into it happened. Judah's saying, there are certain men crept in unawares. There are certain men. The ones who were prophesied of, well, they're here. And they are ordained to this condemnation. You say, Adam, you're just unarguing everything you just said. They're ordained to this condemnation. You know what? They're preordained to be false teachers. And there's nothing they can do because they're preordained. They're ordained, Right? Pre-written about. That's all it means. It's the exact opposite of what you think it might mean. God writes the future for it happens. God calls the things that are not as though they are. Why? Because he knows what's going to happen. That, so I'm locked in. I can't. So I'm talking to a Calvinist about this. And he's saying, well, listen, God, he's sovereign. And I'm like, he don't get sovereign sewed up. We believe that God's sovereign. And the sovereign God doesn't always get his way because he wants no one to perish. And we know that most people perish and most people go to hell. And God doesn't always get his sovereign way. He goes, oh, he's sovereign. He's way sovereign. He's like, you know, and he's trying to um, you know, tell me about all this. And I said, I'd like to believe it, but I can't. He's, what are you talking about? I said, I was preordained not to. I was preordained to be uh, 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 a minionist. Sorry. <laughs> and he had nothing to say to that. Except I think he called me an idiot, but that's fine. Uh, you, you see how that works? You are locked in. You can't change. You're going to hell, and that's all there is to it. Because way back when, but when God looked and saw it, he said, oh, Jack, hell, I don't like Jack. And, Wait, what? Really? I, I, I believe God's not willing that any should perish. Now, if he wrote, Jack's going to come, and he's going to teach false doctrine, and he's going to die in his sins, and he's going to hell. Isn't that God's prerogative to write about it before it happens? But he just knows. He doesn't mean that you're locked in. We're creating God's image. And that means we have free will. Why? Because God has free will. Among other things, it means that. And you're free to choose, or you're free to reject. They're pre-written about uh, to this condemnation. These, they were ordained. Okay, they, God wrote about this. When did he write about it? Well, in 2 Timothy, in 2 Thessalonians, in 2 Peter, among all the seconds in the New Testament are all about false teaching. I don't know if you know that or not. Anyway, 
Because God wrote about it, that doesn't mean he's calling his shots. That doesn't mean that you have to be a heretic. They're ungodly men. And what are they ungodly about? They turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. I've said this before. I don't want God. I don't want his rules. I don't want him in my life. I don't want, who does he think telling me what I'm going to do? Always translates out, you know, and they say it like this. Well, I have questions about God, and I'm not exactly sure, and, you know, I'm really having, basically, I want to sleep with who I want to sleep with, and God can't tell me different. That's all, it's always ends up lascivious. Don't tell me different. I've been living a long time. And these people who have these doubts and these questions, it, Okay, who is it that you're cheating on with? Who are you trying to sleep with? Who do you... Almost in every situation. Almost in every situation. Okay? They're false teachers. And it's about, I get my way. And lascivious doesn't always mean sex. Sometimes it means money and power and things of this nature. Uh, I, I'm faithfully married to my wife and mail me your money because I need another jet and I need another yacht and I need another for, my, for the ministry... Um, so it's different lascivious, and they, den- and they end up denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, James says he's the servant of Jesus Christ. And they're saying, we're not. We're serving ourselves, basically. And I want to put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains and the darkness under the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I want to put you in remembrance of a few things. I, famous, uh, uh, if I said his name, you'd all know. I don't want to, because I, I think he's a brother in the Lord, and I think he's sadly mistaken in a few areas. Like, we don't need to study the Old Testament. New Testament Christians. What is Jude referring to? He's talking about Old Testament stories. Look at um, verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, ran greedily after the heir of Balaam, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Anyone here know anything about the gainsaying of Korah? Yeah, two Wednesdays ago we covered it. If you were here, you understand. If you weren't, maybe you checked in online, or maybe you just know the story. Should we study the Old Testament? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how many have been blown away by studying like numbers? How relevant it is to today's walk. Have you had your Kadesh Barnea moment? And people are saying, what are you talking about? Oh, I wish you were here. I can't go on. I can't tell you the whole thing. Uh, okay, I'll make this one more. I'll, this, I'll do this. And you're welcome. This is an entire favor to you. I mean, it really is. It's way off, but I want to, I'll end with this, okay? I'm not going to get as far as I even thought I might get in there, but that's fine, okay? Kadesh Barnea, the, the, the children of Israel come up to this place called Kadesh Barnea. They send in 12 spies. 10 come back and say, yeah, we can't go. Giants. Oh my goodness. We're going to, they're going to eat our lunch. And Caleb and Joshua said, let's go. God's with us, not with them. Kadesh, glory. Barnea, barrenness. Serve God and follow God. It's glorious. What happens if you don't? 38 years of wilderness wanderings, barrenness. Walking around in circles, swatting flies, kicking sand, becoming dusty, and serving no real functional purpose whatsoever. 
Do we have a Kadesh Barnea moment in our life where God brings us to the promised land, to the place where he's, the, the reason for which he rescued us, he's trying to introduce these things to our life, and we draw back in unbelief and say, can never do it. Oh, there's giants. Oh, there's Jericho. Oh, there's, and we freak ourselves out. I think the majority of Christians do that. Listen, two and a half to three million people come out of Egypt. How many went into the promised land? Two? Is that an exact ratio, Adam? Three, three million people get saved and only two enter into the place where God wants. I'm not even suggesting that's an exact ratio. But I am suggesting that God brings those choices into our life. Are you going to follow me? Or are you going to step out of faith? Are you going to step out of the boat and walk on the water? Are you going to do what I told you to do? Or are you going to find a reason why my promises don't work for you? And I thought, like, when we talked about Kadesh Barnea, we talked about the gainsaying court, that was just, like, so relevant to where we live in every day. It's incredible. Look, you have to know, Jude expects that we know these stories, and we'll go over them, okay? We'll, we'll talk about them. He expects that we're reading our whole Bible. It's all the Word of God. It's all profitable for doctrine, for correction, for, you know, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly furnished into all good work. There is not a page in Scripture that you're, you get to sign off on where we, without knowing, where God says, now you're okay, I just wrote this, I don't know what I was thinking. It's all superfluous. Don't worry about that part. Just worry about this part over here. Really? Really? Show me that page, because I haven't run into it yet. Now, we're going to end there. I'm sorry I didn't get even close to anywhere near where I wanted to get, but that's fine. That's fine. We, we got what we got. It's the Word of God, and we're just going to pray God will bless it. Let's stand. We'll, we'll go to his singing his praise. Lord, we want to be the... We love the faith that you've once for all delivered to the saints, and we want to contend for it, and we want to contend well and strongly. Now, I, we're no one's judge. We, we're not blind. We see that people are leaving the reservation by droves, and they're embarrassed by your word, and they want to uh, make, uh, they, they want to soften it in places, Lord. But we've determined we're not going to edit. We're not going to soften. We're just going to believe. We're going to receive. We believe your word is perfect, that it's everything we need. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.